And welcome to AFL Tonight, ArenaFan.com's weekly look at everything arena football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with the other two gents, Ben Fraternale, he's back. What up, what up? The Stark one. Iron Hello. Man, Iron Man himself, John Stark. How are you guys? Doing phenomenal, Tim. Absolutely phenomenal. Just swell. <laughs> Headed into the playoffs with just the gusto of, of a... Of a soldier, Tim. Oh my God, you're really <laughs> reaching. But this is. <laughs> it's different, though. We're, we're at the end of the regular season. This is nuts. I mean, yes, it's only 12 weeks, but going into a. It's like a new era for the Arena Football League because we're going into a type of playoffs that we've never had before. And it, whether it's a one off or not, it, it, I don't know if we would call it. It could make or break the season. I don't know. There have been so many different things that have been changed this year. And, you know, it's the best. We're just looking for the best we can with the playoffs. Speaking of the regular season, this week we are having GBUs again. Good, bad, ugly. But we're basing it off of the regular season. So stay tuned for those. A uh, little teaser. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't usually do that. That's good. I know. I like keep, it. We're mixing it keep up. Keep them interested. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, plus, uh, plus a bunch of other stuff. So first... Guys, what's your um, what's your thought on how the regular season ended? You know, I don't remember there being a season where we had three teams going. They were tied for first going into the last week of the regular season uh, in one division because, they, uh, you know, uh, Ben, what was your thought before you, you went into the, the, the action this week? Because it was it's actually pretty interesting. So what was your thought? On yeah, that? I mean, like I've been saying, I think this season has been a delight in terms of how neck and neck everything has been with three of the four teams. So this was sort of the perfect ending. Um, I thought the the Empire Soul game was was fascinating and, and seeing how, you know, Albany took control there and Philly trying to fight back at the end. The ending of that game being actually exciting was great. It was and nuts. Um, it was nuts, yeah. And obviously the you know the Washington Washington made it interesting. I mean that it was as entertaining of a week as you could have for you know what we built up to for this whole season. So I think it was the perfect ending to this season. And and you ended pretty good too, if I'm not mistaken. You you had a couple of weeks ago. You basically had predicted how the rest of the it was it was it predicting how the rest of the season would go from a certain point. You uh, the, yeah, the, uh, I the, said, the runs the, that yeah that I said so Albany bad. would win out the streets. Albany would win out. I have the runs, Tim. <laughs> something that <laughs> doctors have to... unable to fix. But what it helped with was predicting <laughs> the season. Um, yeah, a little bit. I said uh, the Empire would win out. I said the Brigade would lose out, and I said the Valor would win the Arena Bowl. Now the Valor are heating up. I think it's possible that I may be onto something here. I don't know. And they're calling me Fratstradamus on social media. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that. I did. Is that the, is that the new hashtag? <laughs> yeah, hashtag Fratstradamus. Hilarious. Let's get that trending. Yeah, the frat likes that, Tim. Yeah, let's let's get it trending. <laughs> yeah, let's get it trending. Um, the, the games, well, I said, I did not think of much going into the Washington-Baltimore matchup because, you know, we— the way that Washington's been playing all year, I mean, John and I were mentioning last week that they're this, they, you know, they're deep, the team is just, it was literally this close, especially with having Arvell Nelson under center. And I don't know, guys. I mean, John, when you look at the matchup between Washington and, and Baltimore, did it seem that it's, that, it's not that the game was lackluster, but there just seemed to be something 
different about the Baltimore-Washington game compared to Philly-Albany. Um, just Baltimore just seemed to be very, is it fair to say lethargic in that game? It's definitely fair to say that. And I think last week I brought up uh, Randy Hippard and spreading the ball around mm-hmm. to different receivers. Uh, that happened again this week. And I said Baltimore usually trails or loses in those games, and it seemed to happen again. And Baltimore's been lethargic for the last few weeks. Uh, I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I'm sure if I pulled up stats right now on the Arena Fan website, uh, I'd probably... I'd probably have some backing on that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Ben, do you think, because you weren't here last week to answer this question, but do you think what the league announced with when it came to who who would be able to host Arena Bowl and how they would be able to host Arena Bowl, do you think that played a factor in how they played last week? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that and how much that kind of disrespect might take wind out of a team and it's you know it can have one of two effects, and I think that has to do with coaching a little bit. Mm-hmm. It either motivates the team, like well we'll show them, we'll beat you anyway, we'll win anyway, we'll win the arena bowl, or it can sort of deflate you, and you wind up limping into the playoffs here like Baltimore's doing. Right. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say. A lot of the stuff, a lot of things happening on on the AFL level is is very sort of individualized and i wonder sometimes how much players internalize things like that ha- happening on a league level i don't know if that makes sense but yeah, it does um yeah and so I, I sometimes wonder if that really could have such an effect but i don't know i mean we're seeing it we're seeing baltimore sort of limp in here so i don't know it, it's possible and then uh uh what did, anyway, baltimore uh loses by seven to the valor what i thought was funny is Again, I think is this the first time, guys, that I, at least that I can remember where Washington goes over the third again, but yet they win the game. I don't think it's happened. I understand it's two, 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 only two wins on the season, but still. Yeah, I don't know if that's happened either. And the, I, they traded uh, scoreless periods I know, or yeah. quarters there, so rather. Weird. That was so. Yeah, weird. that's so weird. And the whole difference maker in the game for the Valor really was that hail mary off the net. Oh, Doug McNeil. Oh, yeah, I was oh. going to go to that. By the way, the Valor fifty percent of their games in two thousand and eighteen had a scoreless third. Wow, that's that's crazy. So grim. That's I mean, that, not great. That's not good. That's not good at all. So you're talking about that play. And probably, guys, I know we've given the guys over at MSN crap the entire year. (laughs) But I think the best quote from them for the entire year came from that exact off the net touchdown at the buzzer at the end of the uh, end of the first half where it goes off. McNeil catches it. And I I don't remember who was broadcast, who was the play by play. I have to go back and check. Right. Grant, was it? It was Grant. Yeah, it was Grant. Yeah. Yeah. And I think his quote basically was to sum to to summarize: um, "Indoor football fans eat your heart out." Something, something to that effect. Iconic. Something to that. Definitely. Effect. It, there were a lot of good quotes in the broadcast. It, it was, that, uh, was I, that was a pretty good swipe. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty good swipe. I will admit. Yeah, I yeah, think. Were, yeah. I think Grant. Paulson and Wes Hall together on the broadcast this season for MSN have been the best team and have produced the best broadcast. Do you think that going forward to 19, do you think that they will be the number one crew, so to speak, 
for MSN. I mean, we don't know what's happening with the CBS Sportsnet guys. I, I'm really curious to know what's going to happen to Sed and Ari and, and John and, uh, and uh, Brent. And, uh, what's going to happen with them? Yeah, I know. We talked about that a couple weeks yeah, ago also. Yeah. But I think that it would be wise to stick with Grant and Wes and pick up a, a good pair for Baltimore as well. And I think Grant and West did a few games together last season as well, and they were some of the best also. Yeah, I, I just find that the home, the away games just lose their luster when it comes to doing them on MSN because they're doing it, you know they're doing it from the from the studio. The, you know, the, if the mics are not set up in such a way, you know, it, it's, anyways, we're, I'm, I digress, we're, we're getting away from this here, but <laughs> um, yeah, you know, DC pulls off something, and is it, you know, Ben, you mentioned just earlier, is this a sign of things to come for the Valor in the, in the postseason? I mean, they, they're in a gut playing number one seed Albany, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. Um, but Arvell Nelson, man, uh, a, a semi good game. I mean, 25 of 34, uh, 247 and five, no interceptions. Uh, Randy Hippard, uh, 24 of 40, 261 and four, also no INTs. Uh, Brandon Collins has another monster game, uh, 12 receptions, 114 yards, but no tutties at all. But Brandon, t- the other Brandon got them. He got three touchdowns, uh, for the, for the Valor, uh, seven total guys had a, had a reception in that game. Uh, leading receiver goes to, uh, Doug McNeil, the third, uh, with 62 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the Aegis wonder himself, TT Tolliver, uh, had a, had a touchdown, as did uh, Jared Dangerfield and uh, Reggie. Big play. Gray had one also. Um, it's it's just it's what what do you what are you thinking here, uh, Ben? It's I mean I mean there was uh, can you can more you call, can you call a team that's that's just coming off of a one game winning streak? Can you call them peaking or like I mentioned before, is is Washington can Washington be a sleeper? I mean, I think this was a trap game, and I think almost every Valor game is a trap game. Um, you know, it, it, it's possible. I mean, their two <laughs> wins are results of weakened teams to me. Um, they sort of caught Baltimore at the perfect time yeah. of weakness, and they caught the soul at the perfect time. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it definitely felt like a different team. And I think momentum is still important, especially when it's a two-game playoff especially when you can lose one of those games, there's sort of a, you know, nothing to lose aspect to the, what the Valor are doing here. They can host right. the arena bowl. You know, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but it's true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It felt like a totally different team to me this week, more so than, la- than their last win. I agree with you. Um, yeah. Legitimately entertaining to watch. And I have to imagine this bodes well. I mean, I don't know that they'll beat the empire, but taking this into next week is, uh, it was, it was something to see. Yeah. It's a good way to end it, if I think, anything. Yeah, if you if you take the history, it, it could be it could be between what the most recent history with Albany and, and DC, it it looks very interesting. Uh Philadelphia traveled to to Albany to decide uh who was going to be the number one host. Uh, sorry, the number one seed. And I, I you know, I, I said this last week, Ben, is that I, I'm basically, you know, sure they're the number one seed, but yes, we can say that the Albany Empire were the regular season champion of the Arena Football League. People may laugh, yeah, yeah, four teams, <laughs> but <laughs> but but still, they were the regular season champion. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that during the game. Just, I mean, uh, you know, the four teams thing is, is tough. But, you know, maybe when we look at history from sort of a larger perspective, it's really amazing mm-hmm. that this an expansion team, the whole narrative of this, of them coming back and, and being, you know, the number one team in the league, even just for now in the regular season, it's still a good storyline. It's, it's the best storyline this season. And the fact that these home fans that, you know, have averaged in very high numbers, that have shown up for their team more than anyone else in this league, have been rewarded with consistently good play, incredible football from star AFL players. I mean, it's a feel-good story all around. So I'm glad that it ended this way. Um, I think everybody thought that the game may have been over, eh, John, once the halftime came about? I mean, the score at the time. I don't know if if people were surprised about it, but it was 30-14 to for... For Albany at halftime, uh, did you think the game was over at that point? No, actually, I didn't. But I didn't know how the rest of the game was going to go, and Philly fought back pretty well. Very I don't. Close, yeah. I can't recall the last time, or at all this season, where we had a fourth quarter with seven touchdowns. That's true. That's a yeah. very good point. And I, was, yeah. I was thinking of the Baltimore game. When was the last time that we had a a, a ball at the net for a touchdown? I, I was wondering There's, if you yeah. had that info, Tim. It, I'd have to look because remember, it's not at least they didn't list it officially as a, uh, you know, when they do a net recovery for a touchdown on a kickoff and stuff like that, this technically, yeah. this was a touchdown pass off the net. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every, I, I think all AFL fans, if you've been around long enough, you the one that sticks out the most was the one uh, between LA and Orlando with the Graziani touchdown off the net. Yep. So well, I remember earlier one. earlier this season, I think oh, Joe Hills. Oh, was it Q? It was either Q or Joe Hills had something off the net. I uh, don't remember who, though. And was it, it was it a, a deliberate Hail Mary? It was a pass. Or was it an accident? No, it was a pass to the net. And I remember whichever quarterback gave the interview or whichever wide receiver caught the pass, I do recall the interview and them saying they planned it like that. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, I but, like that. That's old but, school. Yeah, but yeah. this 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 one that we had in Washington uh, with no time on the clock going into halftime was definitely the one. Yeah, yeah. Play of yeah. the week, I would, I would give that immediately. Yeah, um, immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at back to the you know, Philly-Albany game, it was as been, you know, as you guys have been mentioning, it was one hell of a fourth quarter because... Uh, you know, I thought, oh, you're 14 points, but people need to remember. Remember, remember how many points Philly came back to beat Albany a couple weeks ago? It was what 12 points in less than two yeah. minutes? Yeah. And it it came very close because after that weird, I, 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 why Coach Keefe did not have somebody back? I was just about to say that yeah, on that kickoff for the touchdown for the and that was a net card for by uh, by Romaine. Uh, the, it was perfectly done. It was these, so unusual. I love pooch it. kicks. These pooch yeah. kicks, which are you know they're basically punts, but they're not. But you know because they're onside kicks. What the hell? I'm very surprised Albany did not have somebody back on that. Ben, I mean, when you saw that, Ben, what? I mean, was that basically the same same thought? That yeah, I was shocked head? that they that. I mean, I guess they were asking for it because, from what I understand, on consecutive onside kick attempts, Albany did not have someone back there. So Clint Dozell was basically reacting to Albany's formation because they showed their hand already once. So he was, you know, why not try it? I mean, it was, it was so unusual. And I loved that we had two plays this week that were, you know, like super 
classic unusual AFL plays, the off the net and that. Yeah. And the fact that Romain, yeah. you know, recovered it. It was a close one. I mean, no, Albany no had two guys in the end zone. But, uh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, we, I think the uh, third time, too, I think, didn't we have another ball bar ball this week? And for the first time off those re, uh, redesigned nets. In, we had a ball in the bar. In yeah, we did also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? We yeah, had yeah. the uh, missed Kenny Spencer after try that got stuck inside the oh, field. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's old school that. football right yeah. there, man. That's classic. It, it just stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember, you're right, hearing hearing the reactions like, well, how are they going to get the ball yeah, down? Who, who's we, retrieving that? You're not. And it's like, ah, oh, the ball's stuck up there. Get the stick. <laughs> Can't get it out. Um, Again, for these two guys, Tommy Grady, which I'm sure is a, a lead contender for, for MVP, and possibly offensive player of the year, uh, just seven passes, uh, eight passes, that were incomplete. He was twenty-one to twenty-nine, two thirty-nine and eight, no picks. Dan Radabaugh looks very good in his second game back. Doesn't look like he's lost a thing here, guys. Twenty-three of thirty-three, three hundred four, seven and one. Um, and John and I were talking about this last week. Ben is the change in wide receivers and how you know with Radabaugh's yeah. back you know money is getting more balls I mean nine receptions 139 and one but Darius Prince again he was back into the groove after a, a one game of, of no touchdowns but four touchdowns by by Prince Washer got one uh, and for the first time uh, newest addition at least in the past couple of weeks Lonnie Outlaw got a touchdown because he was he was in there because uh, Washer got hurt for a play. I think he got a stinger or something like that, if I remember correctly. Right. And then Joe Hills extended his streak to 92 regular season games with a 92 consecutive regular season games with a with a, a receiving touchdown, uh 10 receptions, 106 and 4. Uh Malachi Jones, which for sure has to be the has to be the the candidate for rookie of the year. Uh, six receptions, 86 yards, three touchdowns. Greg Carr finally got into it again. Uh, I think that was a, basically a jump ball in the end zone for Greg Carr. <laughs> when a guy's that tall, he just throw it to him. Um, and uh, Michael Benson, rumble, rumble, rumble. Ten, ten rushes, 39 yards, two touchdowns. That could be, and you know, it's funny. Really, rushing was not that big of a deal this year in the AFL. You know, only, you know, the amount of yards that were, that were totaled it looks like Albany's taking advantage of having Michael Benson on, uh, uh, in the backfield, eh, John? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> ben, do you agree? Yeah, no. I thought, you know, of all the players you listed, there were so many interesting things that were happening this week. I mean, Benson being featured uh, was phenomenal. There's a lot of interesting, you know, usage of, of running backs and offensive linemen as tight ends this year as we've seen in the recent years. And uh, and that continues, uh, including some fumbles with Washington. But it was really great to see money back in the fold. Mm-hmm. I thought that was – it was good. almost heartwarming for me, like just yeah. to see him, uh, you know, muscling players downfield. I mean, that's classic Darius Reynolds. Yes, and in football, it's so hard to recover from injuries midseason and, and especially the, the various injuries he's had and attempting to play week to week still – and you often wonder, can a player ever fully recover during a season trying to do that? And this game, to me, more than any other, really felt like money actually being back. Yeah. Like, I really felt his presence this week. And when you see him and Prince together, 
you really feel the threat that Philly had last year with those two or that those two guys in the playoffs. And so you see going into the playoffs, you know, where that comes in. And then Greg Carr, amazing wow. performance. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he had multiple un- recoveries. Uh, again, when you're a six three, <laughs> just put put him out there and he should be able to get the ball. Should be able oh, to get he's the ball. Yeah. Six. He's six six. Is it six six? Yeah, he's taller than me. I feel short around him. There's okay. not a whole lot of guys in the league I feel short around, but he's definitely one of them. I, I must say I usually feel shorter on all football players, and I'm <laughs> I, I'm sure Ben always having to 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 bring a step ladder is not much of a help, is it? Yeah, except with Brandon Tompkins. Yeah. Or or TT TT yeah 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 we're we're pretty close yeah. by the way actually yeah go ahead, John yeah I was gonna say actually Tim earlier uh, last week I think you said that one of the difference makers in this Albany game was gonna be Michael Benson yeah and mm-hmm. he had the first score uh, yeah. of the game and he had the last score of the first half yeah he was he was he was primarily yeah. in that in the first half yeah. you're right yep. Hills Hills was more the go to guy in the second. Yep. By the way, what's your guys' thoughts on on possible defensive player of the year, Terrence Smith, doing returns for the for yeah. the for the Empire? Smith or more? Uh, sorry, sorry, wrong. Not not more, but sorry. With Terrence Smith being switched out, uh, that's being switched out to do to do the uh, oh, return from stuff Var- instead, instead of Varma instead of Jordan Williams. Jordan Wind was leading the team when it came to returns. Same thing with Colin Taylor. This has been a really strange year for returns to me. I, I don't know why, but uh, it's been just a lot less of an impact than I've... I don't know if you guys agree with me, but in previous years, the return was a serious threat in in every game, in every kickoff. And this year, I don't know, it just feels less to me like that has been... You know, I, I don't know whether coverages have improved because every team is full of all-stars... Or something, but uh, I feel like kickoffs have been a lot less impactful than previous years. We've only had, I think, the Baltimore's had been was the only team that had at least one. They had two kick return for touchdowns. That is crazy. That's so low. I think it's Baltimore. I'm checking on checking the stats right now as we speak. So, but I think yeah, I think Baltimore was the only one. Only that's team. bizarre to me. Yeah, Washington. Check the last Washington stats there. Uh, Washington had one. Chris Duvall. So there's a grand total, okay. of, grand total of three. Wow. Grand wow. Total. Yeah. So with the with the Albany win, uh, Albany clinches the overall number one seed. Ball, um, uh, Baltimore gets two. Philly gets three. DC gets four. And we will talk about the the, the playoff series. It's the best way of describing it, right, guys? Playoff series yeah. coming up uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, but first, uh, league news, guys. Uh, the quietly, the Arena Football League unveiled the Arena Bowl 31 logo, and it was done so, as I said to me, quietly over on their Facebook page. And some of the, usually we get at least some sort of pomp and circumstance when they release these type of things. And I think for the first time, for, for at least for me, guys, I I was okay with the logo, but rather than looking at that i thought of some other things immediately i want to know your thoughts i mean ben john we, we i mean you can go to arena fan and you can see the entire history of what the what the logos look like from the early uh i'll call them grade school logos uh, <laughs> one that was it one through five you know one, when number five was the number five i had a number five built into it and, and so on and so on um john what was your first thought when you when you saw the logo i didn't mind it i actually like it 
I will say, though, I was displeased with the way it was announced or the lack thereof announcement. Ben? Well, as a graphic designer and someone who works with designers every day, we do a lot of stuff like this, and I'm always so scrutinous of the AFL's design. Oh, yeah, me, yeah. Me um, <laughs> yeah, and the I'm not a designer, media, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn. Yeah, obviously, you stayed at a Holiday Inn, so you know a ton about this. Yeah. The, <laughs> the social media stuff with the AFL has has been bad for a while in terms of uh, templates and things like that. And, and But the Arena Bowl logo has always sort of been good. Like, it's the thing that maybe they paid money for or they put thought into or they hired out for. Last year's was okay. Every year before that really felt like a real effort was made to hire a design company. Um, and this year is oh, the, the kid, first The, the one for the kiss, by the way, that was done in-house. The Predators did that in-house. Really? Yep. Wow. We, we actually did an interview with uh, the person uh, here on AFL Tonight, so you could go back in our archives over at uh, over at uh, Google Play Music, iTunes. And, I mean, sick plug. Yeah. And it, and it's, Wait, uh, which, which which arena ball was that? Uh, was that 25? Was it 25? Was it, what, what was that? No, it wasn't 25. You're making me look. Damn you. I apologize for making you look. Oh, I'll move care. on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, Continue yeah, no, I, I mean... But the logo to me is the first that really shows a lack of effort. Twenty six. Um, yeah. It, okay. Um, the it's not it's not immediately offensive to me, <laughs> but it's it's definitely a step down from what the league's done in the past. And I and ironically, the NFL, which has a limited budget to create logos, has created a single template. Well, for. Uh- their Super Bowl logos, I'm and maybe you, the Arena Bowl I'm should glad, do no, that. I'm glad you brought that up, and that's one thing I was going to mention. Now, the, by the way, the first thing that I saw when I looked at it, I, a couple things stood out. First and foremost, and John, I don't know if you, why, how you didn't notice, is that, guys, do you know the you know, with the Valor logo and you have that small ball that's at the bottom of the Valor logo? That's the damn same ball. They just recolored it. As the, oh, wow. That's wow. the exact same ball. Yeah. That's like Psycho. So, I think we. Oh no! I think we now know where it, it looks like it's possible. We haven't had any confirmation that it may have been done in house with them. It still doesn't really look like it's up to snuff for Monumental. Like Monumental, I agree. Has I agree really with that. Clean marketing materials. I like, agree. And, and this it, doesn't even really look like that. Uh, yeah, but it's. I mean, it may, they may have been able to use the the bolt as a template. Yeah. But but still, and also the other thing, and sure, Ben, this this probably drives you bonkers. Was um, why do you put um, uh, red text on a blue background with n- nothing uh, outlining it? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a cardinal sin of graphic design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, the font of the XXXI is that I don't mind because I noticed this something weird, and I don't know if you noticed it. Each of the little lines within those first three, uh, the three X's, are different. And I, 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 that just popped out in my head last night when I was looking. So you at it. like that? I, I, I was like, I came about it the the wrong way. I was talking to somebody. It's like, you know, I really, I was like, I really don't like the lines because it is this. And I was like, and then it was like one of those moments, like, oh, that's what they did. <laughs> it's, you know, one from the top, one in the middle, then one from the bottom, that type of thing. So I, mean, I, I like the font. I actually do like that font. It's not, it's, um, because I think it gives it slight a little bit of character. You know, it, it sort of pulls away from the fact that that the uh, that the that the the damn AFL shield doesn't have AFL above it. Yeah. 
you know, the like, lines are bizarre to me, and it does feel like a mistake. Yeah. And then, well, I know at, at first it does, but then I saw it, there seems to be a method to the madness. Sort of, I guess. Actually, it's, this is actually the second time that they've not had the, the every time Arenable, uh, the Arenable 27 logo technically did not have AFL above it either. Okay. Actually, and this is missing the date. The last few. Yeah, have. I usually have the date. Um, to be fair, guys, that in years past has come because remember. Also, we don't know the date. Yeah, that that's that's the thing because <laughs> I, I, I know that I've seen where I we have received the original, you know, the original uh, logo when they've released it, but then after the fact, they've added the date. Right. When they know that what okay. the, when the date is actually, so it's very you know when they know when the date's going to be, whether it be the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, whatever it's going to be, they'll add it. Because remember, we've had logos, guys, where we've all you know the the logo's been released. But then we've had a sponsor come in and they've had to redo the logo again or modify it in such a way where so they can include the uh, the, the Napa logo. Well, Napa, I think the big, biggest example would be the Virgin Mobile. Arena, yeah, the Virgin Bolt Mobile one for uh, they did a good job. That's one of my favorite Arena yeah, Bolt logos. For 22, actually, my fave is 21. Yeah. I love 21. To me, 21 is the best because the way that they the did crown on the ball. Yeah. Well, it's it's it. I think I like it that way, but it's also how they did the tickets because the tickets are die cast, or die, oh, cut, yeah, die yeah, cut, yeah. and with with the logo on top. But I mean, there are some some of the older ones are are, are good. I mean, they had a good run in the two thousands. Yeah, where they were hiring clearly big design agencies to do these logos. Yes, and you can feel it. You can feel the thematic elements really showing and. You know, they nailed Vegas, they nailed New Orleans. It just works. Yes. And then these recent logos really kind of feel like a little bit like templates. There's just no character to them. That's true. That is true. And I'm noticing something weird here, which I will follow up with after the show. That's weird. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... I do agree with you, John, that, you know, with no pomp and circumstance, I don't get it. Um, actually, now that I think about it, last year it didn't have the AFL logo above it either. For Arena Bowl 30. I just noticed that. But you're talking, you, and you brought it up, uh, Ben. You have, basically, you have the NHL, Stanley Cup Final. You have the Super Bowl. You have the Grey Cup that basically ha- used the exact same template with slight modifications. You know, city location, etc. Especially for, for the NFL and the CFL. Maybe it is time to go even though I, I do hate them because I, I find the, the, you know, when they had different people do different logos, championship logos every year, I, I loved it. But maybe it is time for the league with if this new arena, you know, AFL 3.0 to start with a, a template. Yeah. No, it, it, it pissed me off when the NFL did it just because the NFL has become such a corporate entity yeah. to the point where they've, you know, the Super Bowl logo, I, I get where they're coming from. They want there to be this iconic look for the Super Bowl. It's their big event. You know, it's it's you know the biggest league in the in the U.S. You know, have this iconic look that you have every year that you recognize. But it took so much fun and character out of the interesting ways they were interpreting the host cities and all the different logo packages they were doing every year, and it just added a flavor to the event. And to me, it's like okay, the AFL should be able to take that character that the NFL's dropped off and continue running with it. That's what the AFL should be able to do is do the fun things the NFL doesn't do anymore, whether it's celebrations, having fun for your championship, whatever it is. But the AFL, unfortunately, I don't think has the resources to 
uh, fund that sort of uh, look every year. And so maybe if they put just a little bit of money into a consistent brand, it might just be a professional look that they need so that they don't have to lean into this sort of template look that they're going with this year and sort of have for a couple of years here. I, I think just put the money into it, create a new one, because I know there are some, I think some of the, in, there's an indoor league, I think, that uses the template now for the championship logo. Yeah. I mean, bring use something with, with the, you know, with the Foster Trophy. Yeah, for sure. You know, do something like that. And I, I will understand. I mean, you talk about it. The only thing that that's really gets any any look, Ben, when it comes to the logos is for the NFL is the hosting I know. committees. And Those they are always some, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, John, I mean, are you a logo guy? Does it does it really matter if the league went that route or is it something that you look forward to every year when you get to see whatever league it is? You know, same thing. You know, World Series is a different one every year. What, what's what's your thought when it comes to that type of thing? Well, I've done graphic design in the past, so I am a logo guy. And I think that the league should commit to hiring a graphic designer or group of designers so that they can have a better better marketing, better advertising, uh, better image, better products so that they stop using templates so that we stop having graphics that look like they were done in uh, Photoshop from 2003, you know, <laughs> MS, I'm, I'm, MS, right. MS paint. Um, well, not, I won't, I don't want to be that harsh, but it's, you I've know, seen it's some good that, stuff in MS paint. I will admit, but yeah, I, I sure. I think they I think they'd need to make a commitment. It's not some massive expense. We're not talking about needing to make thousands of logos here or thousands of images or mock-ups just for what the actual league itself puts out every every season on on social media. We're maybe talking 15 or 20 necessary projects. Maybe a, maybe a budget of $10,000. Right. Yeah, I think it would help the image. Maybe, yeah. maybe more teams. Maybe they'll think about doing it again. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Um, but that, and also, that's a question mark, which we hope to have have some news. I, I would hope over the next three weeks. I would hope so. Next four weeks. Uh, There's a funny footnote to this discussion. Is that yeah? Um, this is a little bit niche and nerdy, but I'm on this social media website called Dribble. It's like the designers Dribble. Okay. Or sorry. <laughs> The designer's social media. So uh, <laughs> uh, everyone posts <laughs> work in progress art, and oh, and uh, everyone gives each other feedback. It's so cool. I it's really like the, the top designers are on this. And every time I look up All Star Game logos, the AFL comes up because the uh, the designers that made the AFL's logos in the past are on here. So uh, and and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I see the enthusiasm that went behind. The thought processes that went behind the previous Arena Bowl logos, you know, these designers posting this stuff. Yeah. And that's not happening with the current things. And by the way, you can check out the foundry and the design company that made the Valor and Brigade logos are on here. And there's there's like comments and stuff talking about like the work in progress designs. It's very cool. I've seen um, some of it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, it's really, really cool. I, I love seeing that type of stuff. It's, it's, it's remember... It's it's like when the leagues originally switched over to the ball that had the stripes, the white, you know, yeah. the white, tan, the tan, and the white, and the stripes, and they had uh, there's a story on the local uh, local TV, and they during the program they showed some of the original protos for what the mm. ball could have looked like. I love that type of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I love the type of stuff. So, no, I agree. I mean, it's maybe, you know, it's it's something that I would hope the league would look at because you know what? It's getting more eyes out there to see the design process. It's like what New Zealand baseball did this year. They did an open series of them designing their new logo for the, for their baseball team. So, you know, what do you mean by that? What, what do I mean by that? If you, what do you mean an open series? Like they well, had well, people. Well, uh, to, to give a quick plug to, to Chris Creamer over at sports, oh, sports, logo, sports He ho- he was the site where what they did is like, it was like different blogs. So it was the designer and New Zealand uh, baseball. And they went through the, all the different prototypes, drawings, etc., from start to finish on how they came up with their new identity. Oh, 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 yeah, that's so cool. I love seeing that sort of process and the build and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're really going off topic, but we're kind of on topic here. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think that would that would be cool for the league to do it, but it, it's just a matter of when the league decides to do it because it makes me wonder, when it came to the, like, you know, the, re- the other renewable logos, how much in advance they actually were able to do it because if it was at a neutral site. But then again, it shouldn't matter anyways. Yeah. Even if you're not at a neutral site. So, nah. It is what it is. It is what it is. So don't forget you can uh, you you can see us everywhere on social media. We did mention where you can find the podcast earlier in the show. But if you want to head to our other uh, social locations, you can do so. You can head over to uh, to Twitter, to Facebook. Yeah, those are slash uh, Arena Fan. You can head over to our YouTube page, which is uh, Arena Fan Online, and you can also head over to Instagram which is slash arena fan. And we're hoping to be able to with the playoffs coming about and us being at some of these playoff games, uh, you know, using John's John and Ben's ability when it comes to shooting stuff and uh, me up and up in the press box, hopefully you can be able to get some information and send some great pictures during this playoff series run. Um, have any questions though, comments, concerns, email us at uh, tim.capper at arena And I will make sure that I, get any of the questions out and we try to answer them and I'll make sure that the boys get them too if you want to send them an email. But you can also head over to the message boards too. Now we're coming up to that point now, guys, and we really appreciate all the feedback and, and questions and comments and that we've received from you guys during this season. And please, even though it is the postseason, please keep it up. We want to know what you guys think. Uh, we do have a question this week and then we're going to our special uh, Good Bad Uglies from uh, John, Ben, and myself. Uh, but the question this week, guys, comes from Michael Felcher. He's given us a few questions this week. And he says to us, guys, if the arena ball comes down to the battle of the Ron Jaworski group teams, <laughs> we already know Albany would host the game. Who is Jaws rooting for? A win by the Empire would be great to continue to build the fan base and help pack the building for years in the future. Or three straight arena bowl will help solidify Dan Rodabell and Clint Dozell as a dynasty team. Of course, I, I'm a Philadelphia Soul fan, and I want them to win, but I was only playing devil's, but I was only playing devil's advocate. Uh, thanks, guys, for a great podcast. Aw. Uh, 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 and This one's easy to me. This one's easy to me, too. Yeah, I think it's obviously Albany. I think Ron Jaworski, as an ambassador for the Arena Football League, if he's going out there to potential investors and saying, look at what we've got here, he can show you what an expansion franchise can be in its first season. Yeah. And if it's an Arena Bowl winning team, 
that has an incredible fan base that is packing the house every week. I mean, that's an amazing advertisement for for business. And for the, if for the soul to be winning every year is a little bit of the opposite. It's like here we've got a small league with very few teams with one team winning every year. Well, that's it, not a very good ad. You went from Arizona to Philly. And I'm saying it's not necessarily – it's not a bad thing, but you've it's, got – It's not a bad thing when you have several teams because then you've got like legitimate dynasty going. If you have the soul winning every year with very few teams, it starts to feel a little cheap. And you don't want your product to feel cheap. So – I think Albany winning is the best thing for Jaworski's advertising of the league. Yeah, John. Yeah, I couldn't. I could not have said that better. So thanks, thanks, Ben. <laughs> oh, you got it, my man. Actually, it's funny. I would, the way I was going to put it, my answer was going to be, "Who's Jaws rooting for? The Arena Football League." That's also exactly. a good point. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, it's and yeah. I know, God, I mean, Albany could possibly, and I'm not trying to look ahead, but if Albany does go on to the championship, they will have done something that very few ex- true expansion clubs in the Arena Football League history have done, which has gone to the championship game. So, right. yeah. Especially this, yeah, far into the league's history. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between now and the and the 90s, you know, yeah. where so much has been established. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I, to me, that's, I think that's, that's yeah, it, it could be a huge plus. You know, and like last year, I would hope that we sooner or later when it comes to Jaws and, and, and the because he's on the executive committee that we'll hear something very shortly. Again, I'm, I'm reiterating again, please, expansion, expansion, expansion. Um, uh, we have our regular season finale GBUs. Ooh-wee. Yes, sir. Ooh, ooh. And I got a feeling because it's such a wide range, if any of us ha- three have the exact same in one of these, even if they're in a different location. I will be floored, but I, I, we'll find out because we have not talked about this. We don't know what each other's are because we usually talk before. So like what John, you and I did last week when it came to our choices. Sure. Um, so first, guys, John, for the, two th- for, sorry, yeah, for the 2018 regular season, what is your good? My good is Albany's slogan, we're building an empire because they have done exactly that they are a model franchise nice nice ben well (laughs) i am sort of with john here (laughs) Uh, my good is albany empire as a franchise and uh as as a a sign of of what the afl can truly be and and hopefully what it represents for the future of the league which is you know establishing a team in a market that can truly get behind the franchise as a as a pride of of a local fan base Mm -hmm. and i think it it, you know it's a part of that building an empire slogan it just makes so much sense and it really came true yeah and there's you know it's just a such a feel-good story this year my good actually is the parody this year in the arena football league uh and and and, uh, despite washington being two in ten you know it could have been a total opposite guys where one team totally dominates and the three others were mediocre, also ran. But in this case, you know, there's this scenario where you don't have any teams winning more than eight games. You come down to the season, the last week of the regular season, and three teams are tied for the top spot. Yeah. No, I know. And yeah, I'll go on. Yeah, no, I've but saying, I was, was going to say me, that, like, yeah, for me, it's parody this year. This year's parody. And of all things, four team league, it could have gone, it could have been a total cluster. 
but it, I think it worked out perfect. And and the and the fact that it was a four team league and that the year was still interesting, <laughs> you know, I, I agree. that kind of goes along with that. Like the fact that every game was still engaging. Yes, the the games were still fun to watch. The seeing you know our our the thing we've been saying about the All Star season wasn't just a thing we were saying; it was true. Yeah, it was it was really shown on the field, and that was that's a real accomplishment. Yeah, and, and think, maybe even more than last year. Even and even though Washington was still. As I said, uh, it was struggling. They're very. I think there were very few blowouts. I think the biggest blowout wasn't it the biggest blowout, the thirty-point loss by, uh, by by DC. I think that was that's really it. But yeah, it's, as I said, it, to me, it's it, it, when you have parity like this, it, it can be nothing for for the best. And I hope the the league knows this uh, that the be- this was the best case scenario. Um, ben, what is your bad? Whether it be bad or bad. My bad is unfortunately actually bad, and it's 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 a little dark, but it's it's Baltimore and and Washington's attendance, and sort of what it means for the AFL. If if we're to believe that sort of monumental sports is the sort of the, the linchpin of this entire league, they're essentially running the league. Um, without them, there would be no AFL. I think we would all agree on that. Yes. For both of those teams to not be succeeding locally is very scary to me, and. I, you know, it makes I'm sure it's making them wonder whether this is a financially viable thing for the future. And it it's putting the league in jeopardy, I think, having these two teams not succeeding because, you know, how much does Ted Leonsis want to push the AFL as a product as much as he says he believes in it right now when his own franchises aren't drawing at all? And so I think as a season, it was tough to see that from both of them. Especially Baltimore, where you know people are literally wondering. I mean, they are selling season tickets for next season, which is nice, but people are literally wondering the viability of this franchise at all for next year. Um, it, it was tough to see that. I, I I understand, but my thought would be is that if maybe if and I understand how DC started off. <coughs> excuse me. When it came to the quarterback situation, unfortunately they went through it again. Maybe if Arvell had been there the entire year. Uh, you know, as we saw how much DC improved with the head coaching change, Arvelva coming in, the main thing with DC, you know, you, you can just imagine how good this team may have been. They need to start winning. Either way, you know, if your team is not winning, they're not competitive, you're not going to draw. And unfortunately, when you have a, a cavernous place like where DC plays, it makes a heck of a difference. But I mean, I, I agree. I mean, uh, John, what was your bad? Well, my bad was actually a bad. Nice. nice. And I'm going to give that to Malachi Jones on this season for 34 touchdowns. And uh, not just him, but his whole family. We were talking about it earlier today. They're, they're all over the place. His older brothers in the NFL, his younger brothers in double-A uh, professional baseball for MLB. Dude, that's cool. Yeah. And um, a stable man, they got a stable of athletes. Oh, goodness, they do. And they, yeah, he, yeah, Malik, yeah Malachi has just had the, the most breakout season out of any player in, in the in the league. So he gets my bad. My yeah. bad is going to the league for removing the one minute timing rules. <laughs> it was one of the worst things that the league could have done. In my opinion, I, and I'm sure everybody's heard me talk about it, whether it be on social media or on the on the program. If it wasn't such a big deal, 
Nobody would be talking about it, guys. But you have said Bonner talking about it on the broadcast. You got Ari talking about it on the broadcast. People have mentioned it. Old schoolers have mentioned it. Some, it I, hopefully this is a one-off. Hopefully they will listen to our suggestions or get our feedback and make modifications. I understand the league wants to try to get this game, these games to be within two, 215, 230. But you ha- they also have to understand that not it doesn't necessarily mean changing the one-minute timing rules can make this game better. Because as you've seen, when you have these teams scoring in the 60s each, these games are going to go past 230 without, with, with, you know, with, with no problem. So, again, dropping it completely took away from the game. It took away strategy from the game. Make modifications. I've mentioned it in weeks past on how it could be done because other other leagues have done have made modifications to what what summarily were uh, you know AFL rules for the one minute timing rules you need to keep it um that that that's that's what it was um uh John what is your ugly for the year so my ugly for the year actually is going to take a page out of Ben's book for his bad and that's going to go to the lack of support from the DMV for both the Valor and the Brigade. The fan support is not there. And I'm not even just talking about the attendance at the games themselves. Uh, for instance, Baltimore and Washington each have like 5, 10, 15, 20,000 followers on their social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, they have lots of likes and lots of people following. And then when I see a post or a game recap or a photo or something, anything at all, seven, eight, ten likes. Mm-hmm. Max, why are we why are we only seeing one percent of the people supporting this team? Where, why is this happening? So that's that's my ugly. I'm calling out the fans. Hmm. Ben, that's good. My ugly is sort of harkening back to our previous conversations. The AFL's marketing and just continuing this trend of producing amateur content uh, on social media, which has proven to be the most important uh, platform to you know, be fostering interest among a fan base when you're putting out content that literally is ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it reflects poorly on the entire organization. You know, the monumental sports produces good stuff. Their marketing stuff is good. The fact that they haven't been able to port that over to the league as a whole, even just as a helping hand, get someone on your team on it. Uh, the AFL just keeps putting out stuff that looks amateur and it breaks my heart every time I see one of their posts. It's just, come on, someone just step in here. Um, wow, it seems we're going along the same lines for our ugly. My ugly is how, actually how I feel that some of the pre- and post-game coverage has been done, uh, not necessarily from the teams, but uh, but from, from the league in general. Um, I just find sometimes that, again... Uh, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff is lacking, like you guys said. Uh, there was content on the league website last year. Um, it, it needs to be more than just, I mean, yes, the, the, the new Vizin stuff. I, I understand that, but I, I just find that you know, some sometimes the releases just seem to be, and I understand they're they can be just a recap of the game itself. But to me, through the years, I've learned that maybe you need to put in a quote from a player or, or from the coach or something like that uh, to, to give the, the to give it a little bit more substance uh, so people will want to be able to read. As you said, give the likes. 
uh, retweets, etc. So, uh, and I understand, you know, some some of the guys, you know, it, it may be just a, a, a one year thing. Um, I do know that there was a lot of turnover uh, in the uh, when it came to the media directors this year for for a lot of the teams. Great job, uh, but I think it's just a matter of being able to improve it and 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 uh, uh, allow us to re- to revisit the games through your writing. It doesn't necessarily, you know, just doesn't necessarily need to be. And by the way, I, I just don't like how how Monumental did their pregame stuff. Not a single, technically, not a single pregame release from either of these teams. A lot of them are just blurbs. I, I just wish, you know, more substance. That's all I'm asking for is ha- have a little bit more substance in your releases next year. So we're, we're along the lines of the same thing for our uglies, guys. It's We didn't say the same thing, but we said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We so, did. So, all right. We were going back and forth on how, how we were actually going to talk about this. Uh... You know, do we call it the first week of the playoffs? Do we call it the playoffs? Do we call it the postseason? Uh, your stats guy, no, you can't call it the postseason because when it comes to stats, it's the playoffs first and then it's the championship. But because of how the Arena Football League is doing it this year, it is very, very different. So just to describe what it is, there is going to be two, two series this year in the, in the first round. Two two-game series, going to be aggregate scoring, we're hoping for the best, right, guys? We we would love to see some overtime games because, I, you know, it makes me wonder what, uh, when it comes to play, will a coach, would a Clint Dozell, just based on what the score is and knowing that they have to play again, will it change a play on how uh, how he would call a play? Will he go for that? F- see, will he call for that fourth down try? Or, guys, do you think, and I, I, we'll start off with this, do you see in this playoff series that we're going to see more field goal attempts just based on that fact that we're having two two games, two total, you know, points uh, series? What do you think? Do you agree or no, John? Uh, I, I I don't know. I think scoring. Remember, scoring really is is a premium. You have to score. Sure, you, you can, do. Yeah, you can lose game one, but that's why I'm thinking that there will be more field goal attempts if you're close. You're within ten yards. I see more field goal attempts, especially when you got Mark Lewis. You know, Mark Lewis, Kenny Spencer, all the kickers. You got great kickers. Right. You have more incentive to take points where they are. Exactly. And, and yeah. Not only field goals, but two point conversions. I mean, we might see Ooh, a lot of interesting would, things yeah, here. Yeah. You know what? Two point conversions. I'd actually put those below. I would put those at at, at a less. Uh, Just because the odds that you're lower percentage. Yeah. A lower percentage. Now, mind you. If you're in Albany and you're able to use a Michael Benson or a Malachi Jones. So it, maybe you grab those points when you can. I mean, it is an interesting point for the first game. Yes, it really. It's interesting because the first game is going to set up so much in how you approach game two. Uh-huh. Game one is really that game where you might see a lot of weird little things popping up where a team is just trying to grab points here and there where they can, because in game two, you know exactly what you need to do. You got to win. Right. So then win. So then let's let's think about this, the one-minute timing rule at the end of the first game. Uh-huh. Good point. Nice, John. Nice. Yeah. What what are we going to see happen there? You may see teams not trying to run out the clock and and maybe trying to score additional points, you know, early on. We see a lot of and this is what, you know, the one-minute timing rule has changed significantly is is players diving at like the 5-yard uh-huh. line. Uh-huh. 
and and maybe we won't see that or, or we probably will to be honest in in game two for sure but in game one we might see people trying to just score when you can you know speed up the game as fast as you can and we may see more action in those final minutes do you see scoring being up or uh, do you see scoring being up or down when it comes to the series I mean, if you were to look at this uh you know by the numbers would week one do you think you're going to see a higher average of points in week one or a lower average in week one compared to week two because there's still be a even though they played each other so much this year there's still gonna be a feeling a feeling out you know what i mean yeah i think in week one you're gonna see the classic sort of gun show uh classic afl style just like you know tons of bombs down the field just going for it because you know you have that second game which is so uncommon in a playoff structure for sports just knowing you have that first game to try to go for it yeah and especially if you're a washington valor and even even for the brigade to be honest i mean going against the soul you want to electrify the field you want to put up as many points as you can immediately knowing that that actually matters in the second game. And the second game might have lower scoring as a result of that, but the first week we might see just like a ton of, you know, a gun show. It, it's, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great possibility. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, just the playoffs itself, how this two-game series is going to be, I don't think it's going to be like we've, anything we've ever seen before in the Arena Football League. I, I, I really, really don't. Um, I, mean, I, I fear that Albany will blow out Washington twice. <laughs> that's sort of... Same. Uh, yeah, that, that's... That, I mean, as much as I love Washington's fire going into this, um, Albany is just so good right now. And, and that will take some wind out of the playoffs and just this experiment. But I think the, the Baltimore-Philadelphia series is just... I mean, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. No, I, 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 I completely, completely get what you're saying. This will be the first time in pro, pro football, guys, since 1986 that we are going to have a two-game combined score playoff series. Last happened, uh, again, in, in November of 1986 uh, in the CFL. So it's, it's not something that's uncommon. It's just been such a long time since we've actually seen it. Um, and what's funny, too, guys, is that how the how the betting community is looking at these two games. I know we haven't talked about specifics, but for Albany, Albany in the first game, five times is Albany favored at 10 by 10 points with an over under of 96. For the Baltimore Philadelphia game, they're actually giving Philadelphia the the edge at 3 uh, with at minus 3 with an over under of 99. So it it, it it makes me wonder how much that this can change going into next week too, depending on what happens. Because again, th- this is uncharted waters for the AFL. Yeah. It's a little awkward even. It, it really, it really is. <laughs> I, mean, I agree. Um, now talking about the series themselves, since we're talking about the series, I know Ben, you just made a comment, but if you were to choose each of these two series, because already I know that the choices I made earlier in the year, who was going to make it to the arena bowl, my choices, uh, one of my teams, both the teams are there, so it still could happen. Uh, no, it couldn't. No, it couldn't actually because they're playing in the first round. So who, who do you see, Ben, as uh, winning the two series and, and advancing to Arena Bowl? Well, you know I want to go Albany, Philly. Uh, I think that would be 
um, the most dynamic matchup. I mean, I love Baltimore this year, but just the big fight feel to having the brothers fighting in the end. I mean, there's there's nothing else like that. But in my heart of hearts, in my Fratstradamus of hearts, God. I got to go Valor. Wow. Taking it all. You're nuts. <laughs> I mean, I have to, you know, I have to put that down on, on, you know, on an official recording because if it happens, Twitter's going to blow up. Yeah. Well, it's, as I said, Washington's gotten better. They've got to eat. They've gotten better. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, John, what, what about, what about you? Who, each of these two series, who do you see advancing to the arena bowl? Albany and Philly. Yeah. I do just statistically and based off of what we've seen develop over the season, the degradation of Baltimore over the last few weeks and the instability of Washington throughout each game they play. If the quarters and penalties don't go a specific way for Washington, you know, they might be SOL. Yeah. So third quarter will be, will be huge in this two game series for, for yeah, for against Albany. Yes, for sure. And like, uh, one of you said earlier, you know, they got this recent win and Baltimore has been on the downswing. So yeah. they took advantage of that. Um, I, I, I mean, Albany's played, I think Albany will, will advance. Uh, I just don't, I think both Baltimore and Philly would be a great series considering how well that these two teams played each other this year. Yeah. Um, but I still, I think to myself, I would give Philly a slight edge. I think my last question to you guys, like I said, I got one more stat here that I looked at that I'm going to uh, put out there. Um, not saying which one specifically, but do you see there being a, a sweep in either the, in either the two series? Mm. Or will, or will each of them actually go the distance and, and be affected by the possibly by, by, both by, by the aggregate score two sweeps i won't say who <laughs> <laughs> i think i think oh, I, I think man. we're gonna see one go i think we're gonna see one sweep only i think i, I think one will and it's the valor I, ben I, thinks the valor are going to sweep yeah. <laughs> but, uh, john what about you do you see, see a, a, no sweeps no no, no sweeps okay interesting yeah we're also we all have different things that's interesting so one last thing we've been talking about, um, and you guys don't know this because I haven't told you this yet, that we were talking about Joe Hills' streak. Now, do remember there's 92 regular season games with a touchdown reception. So he, it, the streak does not extend because it is the postseason. And so what I did is I did some historical research on to try to find the, the active players, guys, that currently have a postseason streak for most consecutive games with a touchdown. Oh, boy. So I came up, it was a minimum of five, it had to have at least a minimum of five games. And these are the current active players uh, that have that have streaks going. I'll start off from the lowest to keep it suspenseful. I like this so much. I'm writing all this down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be releasing this out too on on, on social media. But yeah, uh, at six games, we have the ageless wonder, TT Tolliver. <laughs> and the next at seven games, the money, Darius Reynolds. At eight games. The Flying Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, SK. Okay. Also at eight, the current regular season record holder, Joe Hills. It's hard to believe. I thought, wow. it, was, I thought it would be more than eight, but it wasn't. Um, then the last two here, guys. Oh. Oh, okay. Two more. At 10. Don't know if he's going to be making an appearance. Rod Windsor. Oh. And the gentleman, current, the active player who is currently has the most 
games, consecutive games with a receiving touchdown in the playoffs. Big play, Reggie Gray. 11 okay. straight games. Wow. Wow. So those are some serious stats. Yeah. Them some numbers. Don't know the uh, the actual streak. And we have some other great players here. Uh, but I don't. I mean, Damien Harrell's on this list. Uh, Derek Lee is on this list. Mo purifies on this list. George LaFrance. On and on and on. I said it's a minimum of five. But if I can figure out who the top guy is, then we'll make sure that we release that out. So interesting. I said this will be going out on social media. Uh, uh, something else tomorrow. Something else is going on social media tomorrow, but I'll, I'll put it out. So, guys, remember, oh, all games, by the way, will be on CBS Sports Network. They will not be streamed. And also for both games, I don't know if it's going to be the same crew for both games, but at least for this weekend, said Bonner will be doing color on both games. I did not I did not uh, ask him who's going to be the uh, uh, the play-by-play guy, but it, it, I'm sure it's going to John Mediaparo will be in there somewhere. Uh, Brent Stowe will be, be there somewhere. Um or, or other people within the the, the, the crew itself. Uh, who, who did I forget? I feel bad forgetting the names. I've left one out. No help? Thanks, guys. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you miss... Did you say Ari? Oh, well, uh, Ari, I don't know, because right now Ari's away. Oh, I know he is, but who, who knows? We still have a couple more days. Yeah, um, but there's still one more who would be in the booth with Sed. God, what is his name? He did the game just recently, too. Brent Stover? I, did I say Brent Stover? I think... There's one more, isn't there? This is Radio Gold. Yeah, Radio Gold. So, yeah. I'll miss the uh, the rabid comment section on the, the streams. Have you guys been watching those? I, it's actually kind of nice actually, to see people to, fighting in comments for the to, AFL. To be fair, um, I swipe left. I swipe right. You like it all? I, no, I get rid of No, when it comes to the thing, to get rid of them, you swipe. You swipe, you swipe right on life, Tim, and I respect that. Yeah. But it is interesting to see people, you know, old school discussing the AFL live as games happen. Mm, yeah, that's good. Okay. It is cool, even though most yeah. of it is arguing. <laughs> um, it's still cool to see people care that much. It's it's nice. Yeah. And real quickly before we go, just a real uh, just a shout out again, Ben. If anybody wants to go see your your newest uh, fifty yards short, where do they go to see that? With uh, the as I said, the ageless wonder, TT Tolliver. Yes, head on over to Vimeo.com, search 50 Yard Shorts, Just a Number. That's what it's called, Just a Number. And, uh, yeah, please check it out. The story of T.T. Tolliver, you know, he's he's really the goat of this league. You know, every player respects the hell out of him, and it's been an awesome release having his story out there. And, uh, you know, it's such an interesting career. But to have this guy who's been – in the midst of almost every era of the AFL's history, still active is unbelievable. The oldest position player in, in the you know in the professional football right now. So go check it out. Um, yeah, it's been great so far. Okay, cool, cool, and great, uh, and it's been received very well, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been. I mean, it was it was great because you know I was telling you guys off air. You know, TT's not on social media. <laughs> He's sort of past that. He you know he's from a previous generation, and so in releasing something like this. You often rely on the generation. Christ, I'm older than TT. <laughs> yeah, you're in you're, you're in TT's generation, but uh, you're active on social. Yeah, you know, yeah. we kept you honest, but but you know, with these, you often rely on the players to sort of push it. You know, that's that's what keeps it going. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit nervous when I released this, knowing TT wasn't available to really push it anywhere. But so many players uh, look up to him. And and just instantly pushed it around as like this is the guy that you know meant a lot to me in my AFL career, and that was really nice to see. 
Um, and so it, it got sent around. So the reaction has been really nice. That's good to hear. Good to hear. It, and, and I know maybe jumping the gun, but anything in your head for the future? Besides, I mean, are you doing Arena Bowl? Are you doing yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about how to approach the Arena Bowl. And the thing I've been doing this year differently than previous years is obviously doing these narrative documentaries that have a lot more to them than the game films. But with the Arena Bowl this year, I kind of like the idea of doing another game film that I, I haven't done all season. Nice. And covering it the way I did last year, where you sort of build up to the game, you you recap the season, and... And you just give this sort of straight story about how the game went and just capture the game itself. And so I think I'm going to do that again this year. So I'm kind of pumped about that. Nice. If you want to follow Ben and, and his, uh, his uh, what he may be coming up, you can follow him on Twitter at, at Ben Fratinale. And also, I think there's one for, for your, is there one for your, uh, for your, 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 mostly film? just Instagram for 50 Yard Dash, okay, which is uh, 50 Yard Dash Film. Yep. So give that a follow. Yeah. And cannot, cannot forget, by the way, with John, too, I, I cannot forget you. Uh, Follow John too on social media at uh, at five fifty three. That's the number five fifty, and then the number three for his pictures that he will be shooting uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're looking forward to uh, what you do, John. And uh, you you uh, we love. I love seeing your your, your photos. You you do a great job. Oh, I appreciate it. And I'm sure for uh, the Arena Bowl, Ben and I will be teaming up again a little bit. Nice. A little hot collab. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, hey, uh, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to be collabing quite a bit over the playoffs and, uh, and Arena Bowl, too. But stay tuned to uh, Arena Fan for all the news there. So, guys, enjoy the games. Um, it, it's a new era. It's something different, man. It really is. Uh, so, for everybody here at AFL Tonight, for Ben, for Tonali, for John Stark, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the nets. Oh!